0: chapter forty four of hands of iceland by victor hugo translated by abby langdon alger this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by sonia chapter forty four misfortune made them equals charles Naudier. all was over now ordener's work was done he had saved the father of the woman he loved he had saved her too by preserving her father to protect her the young man's noble plot to save schumacker's life had succeeded nothing else mattered now it only remained for him to die let those who deem him guilty or foolish judge the generous ordener now as he judges himself in his own soul with holy rapture for it had been his one thought when he entered the rebel ranks that if he could not prevent schumacker from carrying out his guilty purpose he might at least help him to escape punishment by drawing it upon his own head alas he thought schumacker is undoubtedly guilty but embittered as he is by misfortune and imprisonment his crime is excusable he sighs to be set free he struggles to acquire his liberty even by rebellion besides what would become of my ethel if her father were taken from her if she should lose him by the gallows if fresh disgrace should blast his name what would become of her helpless and unprotected alone in her cell or roaming through a world of foes this thought determined him to make the sacrifice and he joyfully prepared for it it is a lover's greatest happiness to lay down his life i do not say for the life but for a smile or a tear of the loved object he was accordingly captured with the rebels was dragged before the judges assembled to condemn schumacher his generous falsehood was uttered he was sentenced he must die a cruel death suffer shameful torments leave behind him a stained name but what cared the noble youth he had saved his ethel's father he sat chained in a damp dungeon where light and air never entered save through dark holes beside him was a supply of food for the remnant of his existence a loaf of black bread and a jug of water an iron collar weighed down his neck iron fetters were about his hands and feet every hour that passed robbed him of a greater portion of his life than a year would bear away from other mortals he was lost in a delicious dream perhaps my memory will not die with me at least in one human heart perhaps she will deign to shed a tear in return for the blood i so freely shed for her perhaps she will sometimes heave a sigh for him who sacrificed his life for her perhaps in her virgin thoughts the dim image of her friend may sometimes appear and who knows what lies behind the veil of death who knows if our souls freed from their material prison may not sometimes return to watch over the souls of those they love and hold mysterious communion with those sweet companions still prisoned in the flesh and in secret bring them angelic comfort and heavenly bliss and yet bitter reflections would sometimes mingle with these consoling meditations the hatred which schumacker had expressed for him at the very moment of his self-sacrifice oppressed him the agonized shriek which he had heard at the same instant with his death sentence had moved him deeply for he alone of all the assembly recognized that voice and understood that misery and should he never again see his ethel must his last moments be passed within the self-same walls that contained her and he be still unable to touch her soft hand once more once more to hear the gentle voice of her for whom he was about to die? He had yielded thus to those vague sad musings which are to the mind what sleep is to the body, when the hoarse creak of rusty bolts struck harshly on his ear, already attuned to the music of the sphere to which he was so soon to take his flight. The heavy iron door grated upon its hinges. The young prisoner rose calmly, almost gladly, for he thought that the executioner had come for him, and he had already cast aside his life like the cloak beneath his feet he was mistaken a slender white figure stood upon the threshold like a radiant vision ordner doubted his own eyes and wondered if he were not already in heaven it was she it was his ethel the girl fell into his fettered embrace she covered his hands with tears and dried them with her long black hair kissing his chains she bruised her pure lips upon those infamous irons she did not speak but her whole heart seemed ready to burst forth in the first word which might break through her sobs he felt the most celestial joy which he had known since his birth he gently pressed his ethel to his breast and the combined powers of earth and hell could not at that moment have loosed the arms which encircled her the knowledge of his approaching death lent a certain solemnity to his rapture and he held his ethel as close as if he had already taken possession of her for all eternity he did not ask this angel how she had gained access to him she was there could he waste a thought on anything else nor was he surprised he never asked how this proscribed feeble lonely girl in spite of triple doors of iron and triple ranks of soldiers had contrived to open her own prison and that of a lover it seemed to him quite simple he had a perfect appreciation of the power of love why speak with the voice when the soul can speak as readily why not allow the body to listen silently to the mysterious language of the spirit both were silent because there are certain emotions which can find expression in silence only at last the young girl lifted her head from her lover's throbbing heart ordener said she i am here to save you and she uttered these words of hope with a pang ordener smiled and shook his head to save me ethel you deceive yourself escape is impossible alas i am but too well aware of that this castle is crowded with soldiers and every door is guarded by archers and jailers who never sleep she added with an effort but i bring you another means of safety no no your hope is vain do not delude yourself with idle fancies ethel a few hours hence the axe will cruelly dispel them oh do not say so ordener you shall not die oh spare me that dreadful thought or rather no let me behold it in all its horror to give me strength to save you and sacrifice myself there was a strange expression in the young girl's voice Ordner gazed at her tenderly sacrifice yourself what do you mean she hid her face in her hands and sobbed almost inarticulately oh god the struggle was brief she overcame her emotion her eyes sparkled her lips wore a smile she was as beautiful as an angel ascending from hell to heaven listen my own ordener your scaffold shall never be reared if you will but promise to marry ulrica Dallefeld, you may live ulrica Dallefeld. that name from your lips my ethel do not interrupt me she continued with the calm of a martyr undergoing the last pang i am sent here by countess d'ahlefeld she promises to gain your pardon from the king if in return you will agree to bestow your hand upon her daughter i am here to obtain your oath to marry Urika, and live for her she chose me as her messenger because she thought that my voice might have some influence over you Ethel, said the condemned man in icy tones farewell when you leave this cell bid the hangman hasten his coming she rose stood before him one moment pale and trembling then her knees gave way beneath her and she sank to the stone floor with clasped hands what have i done to him she muttered faintly ordner silently fixed his eyes upon the flags my lord she said dragging herself to him on her knees you do not answer me. Will you not speak to me once more? Then there is nothing left for me but to die. A tear stood in the young man's eye. Ethel, you no longer love me. Oh, God, cried the poor girl, clasping his knees. No longer love you? You say that I no longer love you, Ordener. Did you really say those words? You no longer love me, for you despise me he repented these cruel words as soon as he had uttered them for ethel's tone was heart rending as she threw her adored arms around his neck and exclaimed in a voice broken by tears forgive me my beloved ordener forgive me as i forgive you i despise you great heavens are you not my pride my idol my all tell me was there aught in my words but deep love and ardent adoration <sighs> alas your stern language wounds me sorely when i came here to save you my idolized ordner, by sacrificing my whole life for yours well replied the young man softened by the tears and kissing them away was it not a want of esteem to suppose that i would buy my life by forsaking you by basely renouncing my oath by sacrificing my love he added fixing his eye on ethel my love for which i am about to shed my blood ethel uttered a deep groan as she answered "Oh, hear me ordner before you judge me so rashly perhaps i have more strength than usually falls to the lot of a weak woman from our lofty prison window i saw them build your scaffold on the parade Ordna, you do not know what fearful agony it is to see the slow preparations for the death of one whose life is an indissoluble part of your own countess d'ahlefeld at whose side i sat when i heard the judge pronounce your death sentence came to the cell to which i had returned with my father she asked me if i would save you she proposed this hateful means ordener my poor happiness must perish i must give you up renounce you forever yield to another my ordener poor lonely ethel's only joy or deliver you to the executioner they bid me choose between my own misery and your death i cannot hesitate he kissed this angel's hand with respectful worship neither do i hesitate ethel you would not offer me life with ulrica dalefeld's hand if you knew why i die what what secret mystery let me keep this one secret from you my beloved ethel i must die without letting you know whether you owe me gratitude or hatred for my death you must die must you then die o oh god it is but too true and the scaffold stands ready even now and no human power can save my ordner, whom they will slay tell me cast one look upon your slave your wife and tell me promise me beloved ordener that you will listen to me without anger are you very sure answer me as you would answer to god that you could not be happy with that woman that ulrica d'ahlefeld are you very sure Ordner? perhaps she is she surely is handsome amiable virtuous she is far superior to her for whom you perish do not turn away your head dear friend dear ordener you are so noble and so young to mount the scaffold think you might live with her in some gay city where you would lose all memory of this fatal dungeon your days would flow by peacefully without a thought of me i consent you may drive me from your heart erase my image from your thoughts ordner only live leave me here alone let me be the one to die and believe me when i know that you are in the arms of another you need not fear for me i shall not suffer long she paused her voice was drowned in tears still her grief-stricken countenance was radiant with her longing to win the ill-omened victory which must be her death Ordner said no more of this ethel let no name but yours and mine pass our lips at such a moment alas, alas she replied then you persist in dying i must i shall go to the scaffold gladly for your sake i should go to the altar with any other woman with horror and aversion say no more you wound and distress me she wept and murmured <laughs> he will die o oh god a death of infamy the condemned man answered with a smile believe me ethel there is less dishonour in my death than in such a life as you propose at this instant his eye glancing away from his weeping ethel observed an old man in clerical dress standing in the shadow under the low arched door what do you want said he hastily my lord i came with the countess d'ahlefeld's messenger you did not see me and i waited silently until you should notice me in fact Ordner had eyes for ethel only and she at the sight of ordener had forgotten her companion i am continued the old man the minister whose duty it is i understand said the young man i am ready the minister advanced toward him god is also ready to receive you my son sir said Ordner, your face is not unknown to me i must have seen you elsewhere the minister bowed i too recognize you my son we met in vigla tower we both proved upon that occasion the fallibility of human words you promised me the pardon of twelve unhappy prisoners and i put no faith in your promise being unable to guess that you were the viceroy's son and you my lord who reckoned upon your power and your rank when you made me that promise ordner finished the thought which athanasius Munda dared not put into words cannot now obtain pardon even for myself you are right sir i had too little reverence for the future it has punished me by showing me that its power is greater than mine the minister bent his head god is great said he then he raised his kind eyes to ordener adding god is good ordener who seemed preoccupied exclaimed after a brief pause listen sir i will keep the promise which i made you in vigla tower when i am dead go to bergen seek out my father the viceroy of norway and tell him that the last favour which his son asks of him is to pardon your twelve proteges he will grant it i am sure a tear of emotion moistened the wrinkled cheek of athanasius my son your soul must be filled with noble thoughts if in the self same hour you can reject your own pardon and generously implore that of others for i heard your refusal and although I blame such dangerous and inordinate affection, I was deeply touched by it. Now I ask myself, Undes Scalus, how could a man who approaches so near to the model of true justice soil his conscience with the crime for which you are condemned? Father, I did not tell my secret to this angel, I cannot reveal it to you, but believe that I am not condemned for any crime of mine. What? Explain yourself, my son. Do not urge me, firmly answered the young man. Let me take my secret with me to the grave. This man cannot be guilty, muttered the minister. Then, drawing from his breast a black crucifix, he placed it on a sort of altar rudely shaped from a granite slab, resting against the damp prison wall. Beside the crucifix, he laid a small lighted lamp, which he had brought with him, and an open Bible. My son, Meditate and pray. I will return a few hours hence. Come, he added, turning to Ethel, who during this conversation had preserved a solemn silence. We must leave the prisoner. Our time has passed. She rose calm and radiant. A divine spark flashed from her eyes as she said, Sir, I cannot go yet. You must first unite Ethel Schumacker to her husband, Ordner Guldenlew. She looked at Ordner if you were still free happy and powerful my ordener i should weep and i should shrink from linking my fatal destiny with yours but now that you need no longer dread the contagion of my misfortune that you like me are a captive disgraced and oppressed now that you are about to die i come to you hoping that you will at least stain ordener my lord and husband to allow her who could never have shared your life to be your companion in death for you love me too much do you not to doubt for an instant that i shall die with you the prisoner fell at her feet and kissed the hem of her gown you old man she resumed must take the place of family and parents this cell shall be our temple this stone our altar here is my ring we kneel before god and before you bless us and pronounce the sacred words which shall unite ethel schumacher and ordener guldenlew her lord and they knelt together before the priest, who regarded them with mingled astonishment and pity. "'How, oh, my children, what would you do?' "'Father,' said the girl, "'time presses. God and death wait for us. In this life we sometimes meet with irresistible powers, supreme wills to which we yield instantly as if they were more than human.' The priest raised his eyes, sighing. "'May the Lord forgive me if I do wrong. You love each other.' you have but little time to love on earth i do not think i shall fail in my allegiance to god if i legalize your love the sweet and solemn ceremony was performed with the final blessing of the priest they rose a wedded pair the prisoner's face beamed with painful joy he seemed for the first time conscious of the bitterness of death now that he realized the sweetness of life the features of his companion were sublime in their expression of grandeur and simplicity she still felt the modesty of a maiden and already exalted as a young wife hear me ordener said she is it not fortunate that we must die since we could never have been united in life do you know love what i will do i will stand at the window of my cell where i can see you mount the scaffold so that our spirits may wing their flight to heaven together if i should die before the axe falls i will wait for you for we are husband and wife my adored ordener and this night our coffin shall be our bridal bed he pressed her to his throbbing heart and could only utter these words which for him summed up all human happiness ethel you are mine my children said the chaplain in a broken voice say farewell it is time alas cried ethel all her angelic strength returned and she knelt before the prisoner farewell my beloved ordner my lord give me your blessing the prisoner yielded to this touching request then turned to take leave of the venerable athanasius munda the old man was kneeling at his feet what do you wish father he asked in surprise the old man gazed at him with sweet humility your blessing my son may heaven bless you and grant you all the happiness which your prayers call down upon your brother man Replied Ordener in touched and solemn tones. Soon the sepulchral arches heard their last kisses and their last farewells. Soon the rude bolts creaked noisily into place, and the iron doors separated the youthful pair who were to die, only to meet again in eternity. End of chapter 44.